Welcome to episode 60 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre, featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook and Twitter at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you like the podcast, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or Google Music or whatever podcast app you use, and consider leaving a comment or rating. Alexander Offord and Nicole Wilson are the co-artistic directors of Good Old Neon Theatre in Toronto. Good Old Neon's production of Blue Remembered Hills runs February 13th to 24th at Artscape Young Place. Alexander, Nicole, thank you uh, for coming on. Um, I think I want to start with um, the name of your company, Good Old Neon. And where does that name come from? Uh, it comes from a short story by David Foster Wallace of the same name. Okay. Yeah. Why did you choose that name for your for your company? Uh, do you want the real answer or do you want the really creative answer that I've the invented? The real answer. I, of course, want the real answer. The real, the real answer. <laughs> if, you, if, you had, if you had just given me the bullshit one and not said, do you want the real answer? Okay, bullshit answer is right. great, but I now want the real one. Uh, the, real, the real answer is, is because it, when we applied to the Toronto Fringe in like 2013, um, I didn't have a company um, at all. And so it was a name that I thought sounded cool. Mm. And uh, that was the the name. But and it now, does. It sounds pretty cool. But now, of course, we've you know we've incorporated the, the themes of the story and mm-hmm. the certain things to do with our mandate in certain ways. It's you funny because it, I'm just thinking about how many theater company names are born out of that desperation. Mm-hmm. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. I remember a company years ago called Spent the Rent. Uh, also, you know, it's like, what are we going to, Bald Ego, I remember was a company name yeah. that, that I loved. And like, all of these names are just like, oh, I need something. Yeah. yeah. I did that. I had, uh, for my fringe application this year, I was like racking my brain with too many notebooks is what I ended up with. But, <laughs> it's the, it's the, best, like, way. Yeah. It's the best way. It's the best way. Nicole's suggestion was raw sushi. I think that's a hilarious name. I still is, regret that I'm that's gonna, not our name. I am going to agree with you that that is a hilarious name. I wonder what that says about the about a company. Well, if we ever undergo rebranding, it'll be raw it'll sushi. It'll be raw sushi. sushi. All right. Like I had an impromptu like called raw sushi once. Tangerine. Oh my god. Did <laughs> you call tangerine? No, when the bank became tangerine. Okay, yes, yes, exactly. Or it was IRG. Yes. IRG. Of course. Yeah. Um, so, I want to ask each of you about, individually, yeah. while we're sitting together, um, <laughs> about like what it is that drew you to theater. Now, Nicole, I know that you came to theater via math. <laughs> Kind of. Which is, I've always been fascinated by that story. So I'd just love to start with you and then then I'll turn it over to you. Yeah. So, okay. Yes. So I did math and I always wanted to do performance, but my family was really poor. So I actually wanted to do do music when I was young. And yeah, essentially in OAC, I shouldn't have said that. Now people know I'm old. Wow. We're old. It's okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, when for I was the, in OAC, for the record, I'm not as old. It was. It actually came to. I applied to you know like ten universities because I thought I wouldn't get in, mm-hmm. and for performance, for music performance mm-hmm. and math, and I was like, which one will 
give me a career that allows me to make money. Math. And so I did math. Hmm. That's like, that's legit. I mean, I also loved it. Yada, yeah, yada. Yeah. And then in my final year <coughs> at Waterloo, um, I, I kind of did my degrees in like a weird reverse order. So I had a bunch of free time. Mm-hmm. So I took some acting courses just mm-hmm. for fun because I was doing like the, the frosh play. And I was like, whoa, this is better. Like this is more right. Mm-hmm. But I still had student loans to pay off. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I worked in math for three years, but always had it kind of in the back of my head that I would go back to that mm-hmm. and actually started doing improv and that's what really led me to it. So mm-hmm. I, did, I started doing improv at Bad Dog Theater mm-hmm. and then at, um, oh, what was it called? The company that did Harold's that they're, they're gone now. Inpatient? Yeah. Inpatient mm-hmm. Theater. And then I started coaching it, and then I started teaching it, and then I was doing it seven days a week. And I was like, oh, okay. And I had a boss at the time who let me... His his wife was like a, a singer or something in the States. So he was like, yeah, you can take eight weeks off and do full-time improv. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was bizarre. I just was really lucky. Mm-hmm. And so then I did that, and I, I wanted to wait another year to to, you know, make enough money to go to theater mm-hmm. school, but I was like, nope, can't can't wait anymore, and then I just went to theater school. So, was, kind of I mean, was, that a, was that a difficult decision at all? Like, no. Were, like, <laughs> I, think, I think the reason why I'm asking is, is not, like, because, you know, you were, like, being drawn to this thing. Yeah. Like, was there an idea of, like, giving up the time that you'd put into it before, giving up, like a certain amount of money that you expected or definitely I mean yeah. like financially it was ridiculously difficult mm-hmm. because I mean I actually worked through theater school which was insane because I would work from like midnight to four from home it was really fucked up I, I shouldn't know, I shouldn't have said like, that it no, was no, really messed up no, no you <laughs> yeah can, you can say it's fucked up because it's fucked, fucked up because I've, I've yeah. done the George Brown course yeah I know, yeah. I know how, how really stupid that I don't know how you how you I don't know, stayed awake. Well, like, I didn't. I just... Sometimes I pretended I was working, mm. like, and they paid me anyways. You know, because I had established myself well enough when I was actually right. working. So I was kind of riding on that, knowing that I was going to be quitting anyway, which is, like, really not great. Well, uh, <laughs> I mean, don't, don't worry about it. But, yeah, she's it. kind of being a pain in the butt. That's all right. Our cat. Cats. Um, but, yeah, and then... So that that was difficult only because, like, I, you know, had... As I say, like my family mm-hmm. was not very well off, and like I wanted to be able to help them, and right. I was able to when I was working, mm-hmm. and yeah. obviously am less able to now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in that sense, for sure, um, the, it, it's really interesting in in terms of like you know you worked so long at this other thing and then gave it up. It it it's so it's certainly true to an extent. Mm-hmm. But I still use it in my Joe job. Yeah. Because my Joe job is tutoring math. So mm-hmm. I don't uh, regret doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't regret doing math because it actually allows me to have a lot more flexibility right. than other actors I know. So It's interesting because I think, you know, asking you about, about that question is, yeah. is sort of like one of those... The, the idea of regretting yeah. something like that is, is more, I think, something that... Uh, like if I was in my early thirties, um, I would feel, oh, I wasted yeah. this time. Yeah. Whereas 
now if I was to do that, I'd be more like I learned a lot in that and that sort of like made me what I am now. Yeah. Sort of thing. I think that's really accurate. And it's really interesting actually. This is kind of tangentially related, but it's funny. So when when I first went to George Brown, it was actually so scary because the math world is primarily men, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I go to George Brown. Our class was very female heavy. Not uncommon. And it was like I actually don't know how to interact with this many vaginas in the room. Like it was, it was really stressful. No, the first year it was, it was crazy because the math world is so direct and Mm -hmm. like it's, it is, I guess, insensitive, but people don't think of it that way. They just think they're being straight up. Whereas if you're like that in theater, it's like with not, I shouldn't generalize, but like with, you know, in theater school, especially where people's feelings and emotions are in a very <laughs> fragile yeah. place. Yeah. It, it was really tricky. <clears throat> yeah. One of my best friends thought I was a crazy bitch for the first year. Seriously. Was that just because of how direct you were? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we've talked about it now. And it, it was, like, actually quite an extreme thing. Because hmm. I And I was like, why is this person crying? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> but now I'm the one crying. So, okay. yeah. <laughs> but that's because you're marrying me. It's... it's yeah. Mm-hmm. So Just tears of joy, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So that's that. Yeah. Kind of a crazy <laughs> journey. When didn't feel that severe of a change, but mm-hmm. I guess it was. Yeah. It, it it always struck me as a like I think when I heard oh I did math and then I did theater it was always like what? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. It I think there is a stronger relationship than people think. Mm-hmm. Like if you can actually examine what's going on in a logical way. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, afterwards, like, throw that mm-hmm. to the side and and do the other work. But mm-hmm. it can be, cl- it can clarify things mm-hmm. in, a, in a nice way, you know? Which is a very George Brown thing. Like, you know, analyzing yes. kind yeah. of thing, right? <clears throat> but yeah. All that, all those hours and hours of text work that almost that you ever then has never do. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, but I mean, yeah. Wouldn't I mean? Wouldn't you love to be able to do that with a script? And it's just almost Some never scripts. any anything yeah. for that. Yeah, you know? true. Alexander, what what was it that that brought you to to theater? Uh, well, I had kind of the total opposite experience. <laughs> um, in that, I don't have any other skills um, or education. Um, it's not true. <laughs> I. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm one of those, it's one of those things where it's like, I actually liked the idea of theater more so than I liked theater, and it's like only (laughs) as I've become older that I've actually liked the theater. Like, when I Uh, went to theater school, I think I didn't really know or understand anything about the theater or really enjoy it. Did you think that you did? Or were you... I think that I, I think that I thought, I think that I thought of that I did. <laughs> um, okay. Like, I think, I think when I was younger, because I went to like a hoity-toity kind of arts high school, mm-hmm. and like, I think when I was younger, I really liked attention and people watching me and clapping, mm-hmm. and now I think uh, that doesn't interest me as much anymore, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and um, I, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like I have a relationship to theater now that I would the reasons that I'm interested in theater now are not the reasons I was interested in theater when I first got into mm. it. Yeah. Did just to, to to try to like maybe delve a little deeper on that. Mm-hmm. Um, just when you were trying to go into theater, like what was it that, that drew you to it? Was it just was it the attention? Was it? Yeah. Like 
it sounds really horrible to admit out loud, but I feel like they're kind of like I feel like a like if I really introspect and I'm and I think seriously about like my ability to be serious and intellectual and find value in theater as an art form on its own, I feel like vanity was probably a much bigger motivating force for me then. Um, I think that's almost always the case, to be honest. Oh, no, really? I, I actually have to agree with you. Yeah. <clears throat> I think that a lot of us, uh, and you know, I, I don't think everybody would admit to this, mm-hmm. but I think that generally a lot mm-hmm. of us come to it from either we are drawn to that temporary family that's created mm-hmm. when you do a show, or, and I mean, we all love the applause. For yeah. sure. Like, come on. It's a the laughter, like, for sure. Drug, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, I think that, that we often, like, those are the things, those are our gateways. Right. Yeah. A lot of times. Um, yeah, I think that's probably true. But, and I mean, I know for me, when I went to theater school, mm-hmm. um, it was a, 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 quite an awakening. Like, mm to be put through that much work and to, to sort of like realize how much it is and what theater is. Mm-hmm. Cause all I really knew before that was, um, what it was like in theater and a couple of community theater yeah. shows, like high school and community theater shows. Yeah. And how thankless it actually is. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. like, cause like before you do it professionally, you're kind of like the biggest fish oh, yeah. in the pond. Yeah. And then you realize how, tiny the pond is and how much bigger the lake is yeah and well, because once you once shit. you're out there trying to do it professionally you and a whole lot of other people who can do exactly what yeah. you can do yeah 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 um when you were at theater school when did that when did what theater could be hit you or did it not come into play while you were at theater school i don't know that i could pinpoint it Precisely, I think it probably came around the time I've always been a writer. Like I've always written things, but I hadn't really written a play before. Um, I wrote the play that Good Old Neon came about through, which was the Hystericon, which we did um, in 2013, and that was like the first time I'd written a real play, mm-hmm. and I directed a real play. And I, I think it was probably that experience more than anything, um, approaching it from a writer and a director, mm-hmm. and seeing it. I guess seeing the value of the show and the production rather than me and my own performance, mm. seeing it as something that's larger than myself, I guess. Mm. I've never really had, I've never really thought about it until you've asked me this question. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, <laughs> Interesting we question. Also, yeah. Ask people is, is, is why. Um, so the two of you met in mm-hmm. theaters at George Brown. Yes, we did. We didn't, we, we didn't really talk that much at <laughs> George Brown, apart from like maybe two or three arguments. Mm. She always started the arguments. Um, debatable. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was actually a good thing in the end because, you know, relationships that start in George Brown are often not. I don't know of any that have continued. I do, I know. Oh, really? Of, yeah. Frazier <clears throat> and. Hmm. His wife. Hmm. His name I can't remember. And Harmony and Kevin, I think. And Harmony and Kevin, yeah. No, I know people who went to theater, who went to George Brown, and yeah. later on got to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, these these are people who, but yeah, it would have been, like, not good. I mean, mm-hmm. we were in separate years as well. That does help a little bit, but mm-hmm. not much. Not much, but yeah, Alexander was the year below me, so. Mm. But yeah, we, we actually, um, we better say his name, Scott Garland. <laughs> <laughs> no kind of getting name checked. Kind of brought us together 
we we did a show the the fringe after I graduated, so in 2012, mm-hmm. called A Madhouse Dramedy by Scott Garland. Mm-hmm. That was for you, Scott. And uh, he, yeah, actually, it was really funny because at first I was supposed to play a different part. Alexander wasn't supposed to be in the show, mm-hmm. and then I basically begged Scott to let me play the other part because I liked it more. And then Alexander took the husband role. So mm-hmm. we ended up playing husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, we were friends for a very short period. And then we uh, we started dating. Did you finish the show before you started dating? Yeah. Yeah? But not much. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, that's actually so important, I think. Yeah. Because just like theater school romances almost never last, mm. there's something about that. During the show, the like showman's, the yeah, the showman's yeah. never really lasts. Well, and we it was always actually Alexander Scott and I, he would go out during mm. the show, and we, he was our chaperone. He was our chaperone. That's good, that's good. Yeah, we kind of got close during that, which is, and then we just started making theater together mm, almost yeah. right away because we realized, oh my god, we actually have mm-hmm. the same aesthetic and the same interests. Is that interesting because of all the arguments? Like, were, when you were arguing, were you arguing about theater and stuff like that, or were you arguing about bullshit stuff? No, she was usually arguing with me about uh, belief or non-belief in God. She asked me things like, have I ever watched someone die? I, he likes to That's the true that. thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that um, happened after a while. Yeah, no, we, no, we... We never really argued about theater. Mm. The thing that we always tell people, because people very rarely believe us, is that to a large extent, our romantic relationship is built on our creative relationship Mm -hmm. rather than the other Mm -hmm. way around. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, part of the reason that we're kind of compatible as a couple is because we are very simpatico as artists. Mm -hmm. I think that's That is very important. That is super important. Because if you're not... Then a huge part of your life is at odds with your romantic. Exactly. Yeah. And it oh, gets yeah. and it gets weird, especially if you're both artists, because it's like at a certain point you have to ask why you're not working together. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that first show that you did, it was the Hystericon. Yes. Yeah. I remember seeing that, and oh. <clears throat> um, I remember that. And so after that show, like, did you write that for the Fringe, or had you written that and then you decided to go into the Fringe? No, I, I wrote it. I wrote it for the Fringe. I got into yeah. the Fringe before it was finished. But you had a show in mind. I had a. I had an idea of a mm-hmm. thing in mind. Yeah, it's more than something. <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes wonder if it's better to go in with nothing just because I've had my mm. heart broken so many times. Oh, I know. Lottery, I know. It's just yeah. the worst. To, to show up and like because you know you feel like I'm going to go because I want to be there when they call my number exactly this time and I've never gotten time. in seven times mm. it's devastating I, I haven't many, many years. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I actually originally didn't get into the Hamilton Fringe oh you last didn't year. I was on a waiting list but didn't know it because they didn't announce their waiting list whoa and oh my so, god like, on last oh my god December 22nd they said, hey, we have a spot. Do you want it? And yes. I said, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's kind of amazing, though. That is. The but again, I have never been in the Toronto Fringe. I've never <laughs> been drawn myself. Yeah. Keystone has. Right. right. Twice. Once. Um, and I've never been on the waiting list. Yeah. So. No, me neither. Um, it's like. But, you know, when you look at the other people are like, it's so fixed, but it's not. If you look at those odds, they are not good. They're not They're good. Not good at They're not, not good. good. No. So it's like, it's like, although I love Fringe and I love the idea of Fringe, it's like, mm, we need other 
Yeah, you can't put all your eggs in you that can't, basket. You can't, no, you can't. Which is why we need... I'm so upset about what's happening with the storefront mm-hmm. and what happened with Unit... 102. 102. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and these, the coal mine before coal, that. Coal mine is... The, oh, no. Uh, theatrical... Side Mart Theatrical yeah. Industry. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, yeah. that was heartbreaking. Because they're... <clears throat> here's all these, these, these affordable, great spaces yeah. going away. Um, and it... Just to... Just to I'm, I'm tangent man. Tangent. tangent. So Do it. We're ta- we love tangent. Um, <laughs> the second show that you did for Fringe was... Uh, that was Potosi. Potosi. Yeah. Um, was that one that you had written... And then went into Fringe, or was that? Well, I had sum- I submitted it to the new play contest, mm-hmm. which, okay. which it won, which is why we got into the Fringe. We bypassed the lottery. That's a great way to go in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that one I I had written, and like I wrote the part specifically for Nicole, and <laughs> like yeah, it would like that one. I actually kind of wrote it specifically for that contest. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this would be a good Fringe show. Are there specific things? Was it a ninety minute? That's hilarious. Yeah, ninety minutes. You, you were thinking was this would be a good friend show? Yeah, was it- <laughs> that's absurd. Sorry, I just have to. What? I, it's like not really, a friend show. Really what, what was it that made it a good friend? Well, I think I was. I think I was at the time I was a little naive about, <laughs> about no the, the shows that typically get done at the fringe because for me. Someone says, oh, it's a non-juried lottery and you get all this, um, you know, this discounted space and all this stuff. And I'm like, great. People must just be like pulling dead things out of their vaginas on stage all the time and killing each other. Like it must be like a total fucking amazing avant-garde bloodbath on Uh the fringe. And it's not not really that, (laughs) as it turns out. But uh, that was my thinking. I was like, oh, this is a great, it's like, you know, it's a very weird show. It's kind of tonally confusing and there's a lot going what's, on. What's, and... What interests me about that is that is that, that kind of stuff is probably very much Montreal Fringe material. Oh, really? Oh. Montreal Fringe, if you ever look through the, the program for Montreal Fringe, it's always like about 80%, I guess it's 75% sex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and maybe a little bit of violence thrown in, but like... They like it's. I, I think that's probably more around. Maybe their that's alley. where we should go. But, um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if Amy would appreciate me saying that, but it's like Montreal has a. I mean, every fringe is different. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, sure. I don't know if you've been at other ones, but um, every fringe is different. But that the, what you're describing is probably a, a little more right. uh, Montreal. <laughs> I know that in a lot of other fringes, they love. Uh, Artistry and uh, some, you know, some just silly comedies. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those sort of stuff. Yeah, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of like beautiful artist artistry stuff as well. Um, for Potosi, um, <clears throat> you were, did you guys remember that? We did. We did the last November. We did it last November, and it was quite an experience. What was it like remounting something from from Fringe? It was uh, okay. The fr- okay, so the Fringe production. How long did we rehearse, darling? Like three weeks. Mm, something like that, I think. Yeah. It felt like a day. Like, this mm-hmm. play is so massive as an actor. It's just like, it's such a, it's crazy. Uh, it's my favorite play in the whole world, mm. Potosi, but like, it's hard. Mm. And so in Fringe, the other actors and I also talked about this, it really felt like we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. We were like, okay, here's some crazy shit happening. Like, there wasn't, we didn't have the time to connect, you know mm. what I mean? So the remount was amazing because we were actually able to go, oh, we know, like, we understand this crazy script that Alexander mm. wrote, so now we can 
spend time understanding the characters. It was challenging in that we did it at Artscape Young Place. That is, is that space, I mean, I love this space, but it is... It's challenging. It's far. Yeah. But I did a poll on Facebook recently, mm-hmm. and everyone says they'd rather go to the West than the East. That's weird. It is so, weird. Well, I think there's... But, you know... You know for, I think it depends on... Because I know I'll, there's... If you look at like the storefront mm-hmm. and that community, it's all west. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're if you're a lot of the indie mm-hmm. that you know is out there, then they'll then they'll go that far. I think it all depends on how west and how easy it is to get to a spot. Yeah, yeah. it's super tricky. It's really tricky. I don't know what the perfect space is because that's always like one of those debates: is how yeah. do you choose a space? Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it? Was the space at? The Artscape Young Place, was that challenging or was getting people there challenging uh, or was it... Both. Like, the space I thought was a lot better than when we, we originally did it at the Tarragon main space, uh-huh. which is a great space. But for this particular show, it was much better to have an intimate space. Right. Um, we actually had one show. Our smallest house had four people or five mm. people. And, like, this is a big play, right? And we were all going, oh my God, how are we going to fucking do this thing? Like, how are we going to do this? Mm-hmm. It was our best show. It was our best show mm-hmm. because it was intimate. Right. And it was just, it's, the whole, I wouldn't say filmic because a lot of it is crazy over the top, but it allows for some of that very subtle mm-hmm. kind of play. Um, but yeah, the room just had, we had one row of chairs mm. around, around the room. So it was like, so you were really right close. there. Yeah. You were right there. Yeah. It was definitely hard to get people out there. It was yeah. really, really hard. Although, I, to be honest with you, I sort of feel like it's just hard to get people to go to the theater in general. And that I think is, that the merits or demerits of particular locations is less of a factor, perhaps. I, I kind of agree think. with you, because I think we spend a lot of time worrying about the space. Yeah. yeah. But it's hard to get people out to things. Totally. In general, and this yeah. is the, the great debate that's been going on for, for a long time, is how do you get people out to a show? Yeah. Um, and man, if I could figure that out, I'd bottle it. <laughs> like, it. yeah. Um, well, we're taking a turn with our, our next show with, in doing Instagram. Because okay. we're like, okay, maybe the Instagram pictures. Thing will work. Let's do pictures. You know, are you are you hashtagging those pictures? We are. Yeah, we're, we're hashtagging the shit out of them. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's good. hashtag Neon Hills. <laughs> let's, let's. I mean, well, let's let's talk about the show. Okay, it's All called right. what? It's called Blue Remembered Hills. Blue Remembered Hills by okay. Dennis Potter. Okay, um, what is that show about? Okay, so whenever I'm asked that question. <laughs> I tend to talk about the philosophical nature of the show Mm -hmm. because that's what I care about and he yells at me. So what we're going to do, if you don't mind, Mm -hmm. is I'm going to talk about the philosophical nature of the show and then Alexander can summarize. Can I I suggest that I go first? You go first. Okay, Okay, let's do the reverse. Um, Blue Blue Remembered Hills is a play uh, (laughs) that was, it's about um, a group of children, prepubescent children, uh, it was originally set in uh, England in 1943, uh, at the height of rationing and um, and the Second World War, and they're basically living in the countryside, kind of starving and miserable. And they there's no there's no real plot. It's um, it's like I mean there's a there's a storyline, but it's uh, it's you know they just kind of chase a squirrel and bully each other and talk. But all the children are played by grownups. Yeah. Um, and we, or I should say Nicole, miraculously, because she's directing it, has taken that idea and completely fucked it up. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I'm, think, 
<laughs> like Dennis Potter would be rolling around in his grave if that were possible. Like maybe. But it's totally badass. Um. All right, let's talk about the philosophical okay. angle, yeah. and then I have questions. Okay. okay. So, what what the show's really about <laughs> <laughs> is uh, imagine being told this without context, though. No, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'd be like, great, check, check. No, because people would. I, this is what I would tell people in the auditions. Anyway, it's about human beings inflicting either emotional or physical pain on one another, psychological torture of sorts, in a way that was perhaps accidental or, or subconscious. Mm. Maybe, no, subconscious is the wrong word. Um, <clears throat> non, not actively, mm. right? In a passive way. And then figuring out how to deal with it when they realize what they've done. Mm. You know, not, not even figuring out, but kind of looking at how do people deal with it? What do mm. they do? I, that's what I think the play is really about. Okay. Yeah. Questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, when you were describing Alexander about how uh, it's it's uh, the characters are prepubescent, uh, like children, my first thought is how dangerous that is. I recently yeah. saw a show yeah. Yeah. at Factory Theater where uh, a grown person was playing somebody who was supposed to be nine years old, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't work. No, it's horrible. It doesn't work. And it doesn't work. And, and I sort of said to the person I went to see it with, they could have avoided that if that character was simply aged a few years so they didn't behave like that. If they were 13 years old mm-hmm. and or 12 years old, then I could have believed it. But when a grown-up yeah. be, is trying to behave like a 7 or 8-year-old, it's just they seem like they're developmentally handicapped mm-hmm. rather than children. So... Yeah. How are you handling that in this show? So I'm really happy you asked this question <laughs> because this is since day one. This is the very first thing that came mm-hmm. up. And the thing that I said was, we're not playing these as children. Okay. You're not children. And a couple of people went, but it says it like right here. If you do, you know, the script analysis, it says that <laughs> I, I'm seven years old and I'm in grade one. I'm like, great, great, great. But in terms of everything else, like the way that we play it, mm-hmm. we don't the the we don't have to play children, right? All that mm-hmm. what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't really play a child, right? All all that happens is you put on a silly voice mm-hmm. and do some kind of really generalized physical stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was a challenge actually to get that idea across because we're keeping the references in the script. Uh-huh. So the grade one, grade two references. But if as far as I'm concerned, if people just play the age they are, mm-hmm. under the given circumstances, <clears throat> it's in the, that bit's in the text. So what Dennis Potter perhaps wanted, or who gives a fuck really what he wanted, but like what we want, you know, what the audience is going to take away is that they're kids, but they won't go, why is this person being an asshole talking mm-hmm. with a stupid voice? Do you know what I mean? Yes. You know, there, interestingly, there's a bit of a precedent for that sort of thing if you look at uh, 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 Charles Schultz's Peanuts. Because mm. they didn't behave like children; they spoke like adults. This is true. Yeah, and yet they were they were children, in fact, relatively young children. And yeah. that still is 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 people people buy that. So yeah, it sort of it sort of works. Um, I think it's totally necessary. So, what drew you to this particular play? Well, actually, I acted in a Dennis Potter play last year. Okay, uh, Brimstone and Treacle. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite part I ever played. 
I had two months. <coughs> and um, Alexander's clearing his throat. Oh, other than Potosi. <laughs> I was um, wondering when you were going to catch on, but I wasn't going to help you. Um, no, actually, they are both my favorite parts in very different ways. Um, but but I, I was really drawn to his work. And then I happened to be at U of T at Hard House, and they had a book sale. I roamed around, and I mm-hmm. found a collection of Dennis Potter plays right mm-hmm. before we were trying to decide what to do this year. Mm-hmm read it and I was like oh my god yes yes this is a weird fucking play that we can do a lot with and then he read it and said no no (laughs) (laughs) and then and then we we kind of realized that I don't remember it quite happening that he, way. Because Alexander was like, you, why do you want to do this wanky play in, in dialect and I, blah, blah. And I'm like, why would I ever... I'm, of course I don't want to do it It, it was dialect. one of many classic examples of me <laughs> shamefully underestimating my beautiful wife. Because <laughs> when I read it, I was like, oh God, I don't want to do a play with like people putting on silly accents. Mm. and like." It reads that way. It certainly I mean? does, yeah. Because he really writes in bizarro... Uh, mm-hmm. Not even the like he writes in the dialect, yeah. but it's kind of his own. Like he manipulates it mm. in a really weird way in the text. So, yeah. as co-artistic directors of Good Old Neon, <laughs> in in situations like that, how do you resolve a situation where you both where one says yes and one says no? Eventually, I realize that I'm wrong, and <laughs> we move forward. That's... No, it actually. <laughs> the truth is, it doesn't happen that no, often. No, it doesn't happen. That often. Which is why, for a while, we had a third partner mm. because we were like, we need someone to give us a little push and pull. Because it's right. not great that we agree all the mm. time, you know. So, what I mean? Yeah, it's not always productive to always agree. Agree. <laughs> you no, know, because then you sort of get into the echo chambers. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, you know, exactly. Like challenging each other. Yeah, and it just we are very, very simpatico to the mm. point where we kind of need uh, that. But essentially, our partner um, just had other things he wanted to focus on. Yeah. Um, so we're trying to find a third partner. If anyone is listening. (laughs) Sure. No. I mean, yes. Yes, but but, yeah. yeah. Um, In in terms of, in terms of this show, um, what, so you're, it opens in February. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And where are you performing it? Artscape Young Young Place. Okay. Um, Our last show we did at the Tarragon, but we don't have the benefits of getting that discounted space anymore. It's booked up, so uh, we're back at Artscape. Well, I mean, space is all... I mean, it's expensive. Yes. Like, finding a space is super expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know. Like... It's just... Especially with when we're losing a lot of the independent spaces and people... So, I remember having to, to, to go... The only place that you could go, really, off the university campus, because reviewers wouldn't go to the university campus for a while. Um, like, if it was at a university theater, yeah. it wouldn't go yeah. a lot of the Amazing. times, because it was like, it's a university show, we don't need to review that. Um, but, you know, other the other spaces, you could only go in Toronto to, like, um, Factory, or, yeah. or Tarragon, or, or Passamorai. Those were your indie spaces. And, and they're expensive. fucking expensive. expensive. They're, they're expensive. They're Holy really expensive, shit. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, even some of the spaces that are opening that are, like, quote-unquote indie now yeah. are still ridiculous. No, I mean, it's it's hard to find it's hard to find space. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, I mean, do you have a lot of freedom in that space? Because it's a studio, right? Is mm-hmm. that... Um, do you have like is there do you, is there more freedom that you would have there in terms of space and things that you can do there than in other places? Um, yes and no, mm-hmm. I would say um, we 
the the problem or the lack of freedom that comes with that space is you have to put the set away every night. Oh, because you spent the spaces used during the day. Right? Yeah, that's right. right. That's the hard thing. And yeah. during Potosi, that was tough, mm-hmm. but we managed it. Yeah. Um, so this time we're actually going with the space. Like the space is all white, mm. and so we're doing an entirely white show mm-hmm. and kind of treating it as a canvas and seeing mm-hmm. in this, you know, this is a kind of like right on the nose, but in the way that the characters start out as kind of young, innocent, naive, what happens to them over mm-hmm. the show visually, we're starting with a blank canvas and seeing what happens to it okay. over the course of yeah. the show, mm-hmm. you know, um, to, tr- to try to incorporate it. Yeah. What, what do you think sand about um, freedom or challenges with the space? Yeah. That's a, yeah, I I don't know that... The thing is, like, I don't know that we uh, significantly limit our artistic ideas because of the space. No, Do I we, don't. I think we modify them, for sure. We, we certainly modify them, yeah. But we um, try to go with it, like, rather than just force it to work. Yeah, we kind of forced Potosi to work we in that did, space but, a little yeah. bit. Um, and this one, I think, is going to be... It's going to f- sit more organically in, the, in that space. Yeah. Limitations are always interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, the limitation of a space can actually be more creative. Like, getting around that can be more creative than having, like, all of free the rain. in the world, right? Yeah. So I sometimes think that, you know, some of the shows where you've got, like, the unlimited budget, like, you take a little bit of that away, and then how yeah. much more brilliant could it be? Yeah. No, that's absolutely. the That's the white stripes thing. Yeah. 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 Um... So, this this show, um, you you've got seven actors in this one, which is like the largest show, largest show we've ever done. done. Yeah. Um, what's it like working with a larger number of people? Aside from scheduling, aside from like, okay, because scheduling's a scheduling is yeah. always going to be an issue. Like the more people yeah. you add, the harder that gets, right? Yeah. Aside from the logistics, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, love it. The cast is is awesome. Really, really talented people, um, far more talented than I, and really lovely to be around. Are they people? Are they people that you knew, or did you like audition and find people who you didn't know? Well, here's the thing: we we auditioned, mm-hmm. and uh, it was auditions were interesting. We had a, quite a mixed bag, like quite extremes um, in terms of experience and all that, and. We were hoping to see more people, but a lot of people submitted long after we had done the auditions. Yeah. Um, but for us, like, I I think it's really important. Like, we really want to work with new people, so we we really tried to you know get get like posting on Facebook mm-hmm. and E Drive and all that stuff. Um, so I would say we in the end, how many people are new? One, two. I mean. We've not worked. We've. I've only worked with two mm-hmm. of these people. Oh, I guess three technically. Um, I didn't count Alexander, but uh, <laughs> but but we know. We like we did know some of these people from before. Yeah, there's some people that we've known but haven't worked with before. Some yeah. people we had no idea who they were and never worked with them. Yeah. And some people that we've worked with. It's kind before. of a mix. It's mm-hmm. a nice mix. It's yeah. a good mix. Yeah. Yeah. And. Interestingly enough, it was much more challenging to find female actors than male actors, mm-hmm. which really surprised me that because, surprise me. yeah, there are only uh, two female roles and there are five male roles. And originally we were talking about, you know, cross-gender casting mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being really difficult to fill the female parts. Mm-hmm. 
Was that because of the people who, like, people were coming more auditioning for it? Yeah, either it was a combo of people not, not as many females submitting. Yeah. And not as, you know, also just, like, working style, like, in the room that... For whatever reason, the uh, some of the women we did see, it just we weren't so uh, compatible with right. them. Um, but yeah, it was really shocking to me. Like I thought that was going to be an easy tech check. Oh, that, I mean, that, I'm I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, because I mean, most a lot of shows that I know when they're doing auditions are like, all right, I have two female roles. Those are those are easy. And yeah. I have these other male roles, and I, yeah. those are the hard ones. But that's and we're thinking maybe like I'm wondering. If it's perhaps that people who knew us thought, oh, I won't submit because I know them. And if they wanted me to be in it, we would just ask, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which we didn't, we didn't really. We never audition people whose work we know, mm-hmm. but we do. Call them in for if, a callback. If, yeah. Right. If, if they, if they s- express interest, we'll be like, great, come to the callbacks. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we won't make them do a monologue for us. Yeah. Like, cause that's just silly and yeah. wanky, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so you know, there there were two people that we knew who who submitted and who came to the callbacks. Mm. Um, but yeah, there weren't, and I'm wondering if that's why, because just a lot of the women that we know were like, oh, they, they are like, oh, like, that like maybe they think that we deliberately pass. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was really, an, uh, it's a thing that I makes me aware. And for the next time we audition, I would like to include on the call, like. Mm-hmm. If you know us, please still submit. <laughs> Get in touch. And, so, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. There's a lot of theaters that actually like include a line like that. Mm-hmm. Like um, I've seen things like that on like general auditions for uh, like some of the, the theaters around Toronto, Factory, things like that. Yeah. And also, some of the summer stock locations yeah. will do that too. Like you know, if we know your work, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. For sure. So I, I'm. I suspect that's the reason. I don't know. Well, the audition process, like, do you, when somebody comes in and they do a monologue for you, are you, do you just listen to the monologue and decide whether you want to see them again, or do you, yeah. like, press them, do you, like, like, do you, like, try to direct them? Oh, yeah. they take I spend them? way too long in auditions, like, it's <laughs> such a problem. It's, it's like, it's basically like a working session. It's minutes a person. It's mm-hmm. long. That's but long but it's worth it to me. Like, mm-hmm. even people who I feel like probably know, it's probably no, I still think it's worth it because... People are really different when they're directed. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really different. And also, for me, I don't really care about your monologue. Like, I don't... You know, like, our audition call is do any monologue you want. Mm-hmm. We don't care about the gender, the age, the style. I, I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, can you take direction? And then we usually... I say we, I. I mean, I don't know how Alexander auditions, but I usually give them quite an extreme direction just to see if they can take it. It mm. usually goes counter text. Right. You know? Yeah. And then the callbacks, we did like a little bit of a physical kind of movement mm. piece. Um, and then, and then script just like a partner reads. Mm. Yeah. Alexander, how do you, do you approach, uh, auditions? In a um, I cast basically on, based on the applicant's willingness to have sex with me. Yeah. That makes sense. So you only get to marry the one of those people, though. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I think Nicole and I can audition really, really similarly. I also spend way too much time directing people, mm. as people who've been in the audition room with me know. Because, um, like, yeah, like you know, 
the whole monologue thing, it's like, it's the worst possible way to audition, but no one can think of a better way to do it. I hear that all the time. You know, like... That is like, yeah. the, everybody who auditions says basically the same thing. It's the worst thing, but I don't know what else Well, to Pandemic do. Theater has... Like, I had my best audition ever with them. And they, what they do is they ask you to do a monologue, but they also ask you to do a silent piece. Mm-hmm. And that's all they say. Mm. But and it I was can like, be, that can cool. be challenging because people may not have time to prepare something like that. Yeah, but if they, the thing is, as long as everyone's getting the same notice, mm. Mm. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Nobody that's fair. has time, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. still, it's, it's. I, I would, we would have liked to have done that. Like I really wanted to do something like that with this yeah. show, but we just didn't have time in terms of we were like, oh, we have to cast now, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a great thing that they did. Mm. Yeah. Cool. Um. You know, one thing that, that I didn't ask you about, and that was, because you had mentioned, you know, where the, the name Good Old Neon came <laughs> from, and how you eventually molded that into, to fit your mandate, but I didn't ask, so what is the mandate for Good Old Neon? Nicole's looking at me. You're both you're... looking at each other. Like, yeah. No, because okay. we need to rehash this, actually. Okay, yeah. Mandate, That's why we're looking at Mandates are, like, bullshitty a lot of the times, right? You know, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to, because, I, I mean, a lot of times, mandates... People said they help you clarify, and they, they can't, but a lot of times I feel like they read like the Nuit Blanche artist statement, oh, yeah. which really boils down to, I thought it would be cool to put a thing on a thing. Yeah, yeah. Totally. yeah. So, um, give me, give me the, your, your mandate as close to, as, okay, so, as you, like so your non-bullshit version. Okay, so the, the, wording, the wording on our website yeah. is yeah. that we're a theater and performance company committed to exploring social, moral, political and I think metaphysical paradoxes by integrating kind of the techniques of the avant-garde, but without some of its more, um, some of its like, the avant-garde, the European avant-garde can be very cold. Okay, before he tan, I'm just going to finish the sentence. By integrating (laughs) the techniques of the avant-garde with traditional storytelling, period. Go on. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) (laughs) I got, I distracted myself. Yeah. So what does that what does that mean to you? Okay, well I don't like for me like you know I think a lot about what um, Peter Hanka wrote about theater, which is that it's no good at providing solutions. Mm-hmm. It's at best useful for playing with contradictions, mm-hmm. and I think that the double bind and the paradox kind of characterizes a lot of how the world feels to us right now. That <laughs> there are always two competing views of the truth that are at least as valid as each other and that the theater because it's kind of subjunctive by its nature is a good way of exploring those or manifesting them or playing with them Hmm. yeah Hmm. and for me like what I would add is that I think it's probably what drew us to each other is so Alexander's the word person (laughs) and I'm the body person so yeah so he writes that stuff, mm-hmm. and I also want to kind of examine that, but more in a physical way. Mm. So, for example, with the current play, like that's why oh, we're yeah. trying to put some of the av- like it's just not an avant-garde play when you yeah. read it, and it, you know, it doesn't. It's pretty kind of you know a bunch of kids and they kill a squirrel, but we're we're trying to do some weird physical stuff okay. and in a way that I think is not happening very much in the city. In this city, mm-hmm. there tends to be, uh, you know, dance theater that's great and kind of, you know, 
the Soul Pepper type of theater, which is great, but there's not a lot of marrying the two. Mm. And we're like, for me, I'm really interested in how can you integrate physical theater in a way that it doesn't just look like someone clapping their hands and like doing a weird gesture on top of a line. Hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so, yeah. So I, mean, I work with a company that, that does like, of course. film on right. stage, right? Yeah. You, so I yeah. totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Um, is this something you've been able to incorporate with previous things or is this like something that you're like this show is the one that you're really a little bit in hystericon yes like again this is all kind of developed like yeah it's always about for us like the dialectic of of like how can we do a thing that is emotionally effective but also um not like a kitchen sink kind of drama yeah so um we're trying to like especially I think Nicole she's really the I think you're better at this than I. What? Um, That's absurd. <laughs> doing, doing like the, um, what was I saying? I don't know. Words and sentences, Alexander. Um, That's his forte. Because you're the writer. I'm <laughs> yeah. the writer. No, but he is. He is like he's the. He writes. You, on the you sort of mentioned something about the, the kitchen sink. Yeah. The kitchen sink play. Um, and uh, it's one of the things that's sort of been on uh, like front of mind. For me lately, after reading uh, Theater of the Unimpressed oh, yeah. and uh, noticing the the drive to tie up all the little pieces <laughs> in in plays as we're writing now, and like, yeah. make sure that that you know, like literally, if there's a gun on the wall, to make sure it's shot. If yeah. uh, this person is angry at something, and make sense. sure they resolve. Like, People all these want things. logical sense of everything. Yes. But, but do they need it? No. And that's like, I think, <laughs> I've recently been, and, and this is one of the things that I've been struggling with my own writing, yeah. is not to do that, is to to challenge more rather than giving it yeah. to people. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think that's kind of where I was trying to go with my mumblings about Nicole's work a second ago, <laughs> is that like, it, it's what we put on stage can be can mean something in and of itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't refer to it, uh, a logic that's outside of it, mm-hmm. right? So, like when, especially in like dance theater uh, and so on, like to try and say, "Oh, this means something mm-hmm. other than what it is," which isn't to say that it's meaningless, but mm-hmm. just that it's you can't articulate you it. can't articulate yeah. it. it it's you can't translate the gesture back into some pre-existing idea yeah mm-hmm. and that's it's for, expressive as opposed to mm-hmm. articulating which is sense. really challenging yeah. though when like so far this piece isn't even going very extreme it's like you know little droplets of mm-hmm. it but essentially the the ideas were there and then because of this need from the actors, which I totally get, because I would be the same if, if I were acting in it, this need to go, well, why this? Mm-hmm. Why yeah. that, right? Yeah, yeah. Alexander and I spent a day just, like, <laughs> going, okay, how to actually put this into words to justify it to the actors. And it's so funny because it's, like, it doesn't really matter. It's... I, you know, you can feel it. Like, mm-hmm. you, that sounds so hokey, but it, it's true. Like, you, you kind of, when someone does something, you know, we have these, like, group moments happening in the, mm-hmm. in the play, these group kind of um, vocal and physical 
choral mm-hmm. moments and it, it works. And it's like, you know, we did little tests of it. I had them do something and I went, yep, check. That's right. And then they're like, well, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really hard. Yeah. And, and you just want to be like, well, because Robert Wilson says so, you know, no but like it's true you want to reference those those directors who ask this of of performers mm, and the, that's it yeah and, the and, fascistic and, german directors uh, the fascist do you know what german i'm saying yes, but it's right here, right here. Uh, it's in a way though it actually i thought brought clarification it was helpful For to sure. have that pressing because mm-hmm. we're you know we can articulate it now but it's a, it's an interesting balance of like how much do you need to articulate and how much can you go no I know this is right and I'm going to trust mm-hmm. that. It it, it yeah. can be hard to get actors to just to go with the a concept yeah. sometimes especially in Canada. Well, I mean that's what we've been taught, right? <laughs> yeah, <It's, it's, laughs> totally. We've been taught like ask why, find yeah. out why, what's the impulse? Absolutely. And sometimes if it's a heightened language or heightened reality, um, it's hard to get across just by saying. The reality is heightened here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just, just doesn't it doesn't often doesn't fly. Yeah. Or not even that the the reality is heightened, but that what you're trying to do is not express a reality. Mm. Right? Like if Nicole says to an actor, "Okay, for, uh, for the duration of the show, you're going to be trying to unlock a box." Mm. And it's not meant to be something other than that, mm. right? Yeah. Like that yeah. that as a symbol on stage will have meaning. It'll have an explosion of associative content mm-hmm. for the audience, mm-hmm. right? But it doesn't have to be a symbol of something. No. It's, no. it's a really tricky... Yeah. That's been the hardest part, I think, of this yeah. process so mm-hmm. far, is that balance. And how, how has it been learning to articulate these things? It's... It's been good. This, this is my first time directing a full-length mm-hmm. play. Um... And in addition to that, I'm trying to do these kind of strange <laughs> physical things. So it's, you know, I'm learning how to how to direct nicely because I, I can be a total control freak, mm-hmm. as you know. So I'm trying I don't to, know why you would say like, that. <laughs> I'm trying to learn to be cool uh-huh. and really kind, uh-huh. um, you know, but it's, I've, we've been lucky, like the cast is really, I don't just say that, they're really exceptionally... Mm great people to work with and you know like there the last rehearsal before the holidays i said there was a point when we were we were trying to figure something out and it just wasn't <laughs> working and it was toward the end of you know an eight eight hour day and i just said guys i don't know so you have to offer something <laughs> I, I believe the precise wording was uh, i don't know i'm empty guys have an idea <laughs> but but they did. Well, we did. <laughs> and it worked, you uh-huh. know? So it is the sweet spot of like, okay, be kind. But at the same time, you kind of have, there's a point of like, just, yeah. you know. Trying to get your ducklings to fly on their own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have yeah. an idea. <laughs> it's, it's funny. I, I did a show years ago <laughs> where um, it became so necessary for us to do that mm-hmm. because the director was like, well, I never do table work. And so we were like a week before opening and suddenly people were like, so why am I doing this? What mm-hmm. is it? Like, what's my reason for doing this? And she like, we never gave us time for that. So we would like have to meet and do it mm. and come up with it. But it was kind of, I mean, it was too late to do it. We should yeah. have done it earlier. But the advantage was that we did it. 
Because you needed to, right? right? You yeah. Have to, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Alexander, mm. um, at the risk of, of starting an argument, um, yes. how is how has... Uh, I mean, you've directed Nicole before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how is it being directed by somebody that you usually direct? Um, well, actually, fine. Like, my neurosis about acting has more to do with the fact that, like, I haven't acted in, like, three years, mm-hmm. and I had kind of decided internally that I was, like, retiring. Mm-hmm. And I was so like, it's just, like, kind of, like, losing its hold of me, and then um, so now I'm doing this. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of like, oh, geez, how do I act? How do people do this? Like, again, I need to remind myself how to do that. But Nicole's, like, great. It's super easy being directed by her. Because, um, like, I... She, again, she's going to say that she's not, but she's a much more talented director than I am. That's really not and true. She has there's much... There's no evidence of that. You know what I mean? I think yeah, there's evidence. It's circum- It's like uh, experiential. It's, yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it's and I, I would actually believe it. Um, not that I've... I've never been... Not, <laughs> so now, now the backpedaling starts. Yeah. But... Um, so were you... Like when you were saying that you were... Reti- retiring as an actor, not as a theater creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, acting specifically. Was it's amazing like, how it pulls you back in after you take some time away from it. Sometimes, or did you not? Mm. Were you not given a choice? Here? <laughs> I was given. Sorry. I was given a. a, a that is a, the wickedest laugh I've had there. <laughs> it's, it's like funny. it's like I just like uncovered something. I was given a matter of choice. Okay. Um, no, you no, were. I was given, no, I was given a choice, and I did, and I did, and do really want to do the show, and I am really excited about performing in it. But it is, uh, it gets nerve wracking for me because, like, uh, I feel like I had it at some point. I feel like at one point you in my life, I was like an okay actor, and I like, I just like, how do I do that again? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What was that? And I think, I think that like eighty percent of what that is is thinking that you're an okay actor. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. you kind of have to be a cocky shit to act well, I think. I don't know. Because sometimes, sometimes I think that I would rather... Because I think that if you're, if you're nervous, mm-hmm. then... Um, like, if you're, if you're, if you're like, no, you're the shit, what effort is there going to yeah. be in what you do? If you have mm-hmm. doubts, then, like... If you doubt, then you're going to put stuff into it. If you're just like... I, I totally agree. I think it's a, yeah, it's a really weird question. If you, you you have to have, you have to have vulnerabilities for sure. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that nervous energy, but if it's too extreme, it's detrimental, which is what I think you're getting at. Mm. But there is this thing of like, what I think the cockiness, what I think you mean by that. And what I think it is, is the ability to take when the minute you step on stage and beforehand, you're probably going to want to run that. I always want to run out of the theater, but the minute you step on being able to like concentrate mm-hmm. yeah. the, the doubts, I think that's mm. all it is, is just concentrating. Yeah. Do you know? See, I, I don't see that as, as cocky. I see that there's something about that's just theater. Yeah. It's cocky. It's like, it's cocky insofar as to be in the moment and pursue your objective. You have to think you're the most important, like on some level, mm. me as my character is the main character of the show and I'm the most important person on stage right mm. now, right? Like, I, like yeah. in a certain way. Yeah. I think that's true. You have to think you're the most important character in the show at all times. I mean, like, it's... <laughs> but, I think, but, you know, just because that's what we do in our yeah. lives, yeah. right? Absolutely. That's not necessarily cocky. That's just like, I'm the main character in my yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the main character in your story. Right. So... 
it's you're concentration. Just like that into, yeah, 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 yeah. But then also you have to couple that with the knowledge that you're not the most important character in the story as an actor. And yeah, you cannot be that douche and ruin the scenes. Yeah. there is there is that balance. Yeah. There is that balance. So the solution is to do solo shows. And where so you get to be. <laughs> and that's exactly right. But and so you see, Phil, we have the paradox of acting. Yes, uh, indeed. Uh, uh, and we've uh-huh. come by Commodious Vickers. Can I just say day. one thing on a question you asked earlier? Yeah, yeah. I just want to say, like, you asked how it was being directed by me. I just want to say that when poor Alexander, like, he was in this the position of having direct to direct me first uh-huh. when we were dating. Oh. That was rough. He's great to work with, both as a director and an actor. I'm the horrible one to work with. That's not true. That's true. <laughs> you can verify that with I verify other nothing. people we've worked with. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You kind of know I that. I don't know that. So, <laughs> so like, <laughs> he's the good one in this pair. But mm. we've also learned how to work together now. Oh, that's one of those important things that you have to oh, do. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. Is, work, is learn how to work together. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that insofar as you are more, quote-unquote, difficult to work with, it's because you're more fulsome and interesting actor than true. I am, and therefore you have a more fulsome and complicated process than I do. There's, 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 there's a real uh, <laughs> a pattern to the dynamic between the two of you, and that is that Alexander compliments you. You say that's not true, and then but he continues to talk over you. It's a fascinating, <laughs> it's a fascinating thing where he is insistent on giving the compliment, and you consistently deny mm-hmm. that it's possible that he could be correct. Just like it's amazing and and wonderful. Um, uh, we're we're almost out of out of time. Um, which is like not true because it's a podcast. I can go right. on for however right. long. Yeah. But I'd like to keep it to about an hour. Cool. Um, in terms of uh, of this show, what excites you the most about this show? Um, just to just to leave that as the uh, the final words. You want to go first, Ben? Mm. Well, many things excite me about it, but I would say that the the thing that excites me the most about it is that it's probably our it's probably our. Um, from my perspective, probably the show that we've done that I feel most captures what the aesthetic of the company is. Mm. I feel like it's um, in many ways a kind of uh, like from its concept to its execution to the way that it plays with the pre-written text to the way that it looks visually mm. is probably most representative of, I think, the kinds of theater that Nicole and I want to make. Mm. For me, um, for sure, one is that Alexander's acting. I know that sounds really silly, but it's like he's like a great, great actor, regardless of what he says. And other people in the cast said that when he first walked into the room. They went, oh my God, Alexander, I've always wanted to act with you. But anyway, that I'm really happy about that because it was a bit of a battle uh, when I first wanted him to be in the show. And the other thing is... I'm very afraid of this show, mm. as I am of most shows, but I think the size of it scares me. The fact that I'm directing it scares the fuck right out mm. of me. And the fact that we have been doing a lot of it ourselves in terms of like set mm. design, we're doing ourselves, all that stuff. Mm. Um, that's very scary, which mm. makes it exciting. You know? There's something about that that idea of being afraid. Mm-hmm. There's like the... The idea of like some things that scare you are things that you should dive into. Totally. Because you have to examine like what is it that scares you? Yeah. Is it that you could get hurt or is it that you're afraid that it could work? 
And a yeah. lot of times, the things that scare you, like, you're scared because it's going to be hard. And yeah. so it's better to, to, to run into, to just jump into it. Yeah. Sounds yeah. Like, sounds like this has, like, been a, a, a really great experience for, for both of you so yeah. far. It's been, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our last show was, like, uh, challenging and kind of... Well, we've never, we've never done a non-challenging yeah. show. No, I mean, like, in terms of the relationships in the room. Like, right, we, yeah. we struggled a little bit in that mm-hmm. show. Uh, so Everyone was amazing. It was just, like, a stressful... It was like, just, like, different period. types of people. Like, just, we were all different people. And that's just one of those... That's just one know? of the dangers of, like, totally. yeah. you know, theater and, and acting it is. and stuff. But this one, thank goodness, actually, that it isn't the case. Because all the other stuff is challenging. Mm. So it's nice to have the personal relationships be really easy. Awesome. You know? So, awesome. yeah. That's great. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. you Phil. Thank you, Phil.